together. Today we're going to be focusing on faith, um, discovering unity together, and we're going through the book of Galatians, and we're up to chapter 3. Now some of you may have to go back into, onto the website and find some of the sermons and, 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 and just kind of familiarize yourself with it. But we started that, we called Discovering Unity Together, and we started with a gospel-focused church, and we discovered, and we, our theme for this year really is unity and togetherness, because there's a lot of things that are happening in, in our world today that can, that can attack the unity of a local church. And so the Galatian churches were very much involved with a lot of different attacks. And so there were five different messages. This is the sixth one. The first one was, was that a gospel-focused church will be unified. In other words, what you believe does make a difference. There's an old saying, what you believe does make a difference, and it does change your life. So a unified church will be one that, um, that, that believes. And so also the unified church will have unique stories. Every single person here has a personal, um, a personal story of how you came to Christ and a story of how you connected and how you grow and how you serve in this church. And, uh, and that helps unify. And then the third message was um, that a unified church or a gospel-focused church will allow God to work. And so what did we do? We asked God to remove barriers to his plan and his purpose. In other words, we don't come up with a plan and ask God to bless it. We ask God to remove anything that would stop us from recognizing and enacting his plan. And that's in individual lives as well as in a, co a corporate life. And then that leads to the next one. The fourth message was we will stand together. A gospel-focused church will stand together. In other words, knowing what is worth fighting for. Um, you, you know this in any relationship that you have. You choose your battles. And so we have convictions that we form and we find out what is it in God's word that's worth standing up and fighting for and standing together for. In other words, what does Southwest Baptist Church want to be known for? And that, that's basically um, part of the thing that, um, that was being emphasized in that message. And then the fifth message was we will unite in grace. And sometimes we have to actually confront of people and confront situations and it's necessary for the sake of the gospel and the for sake of unity and that leads us into this one now that you're all caught up today because i'll be honest with you i had to kind of review this and thought what did we actually talk about back in january <laughs> it seems so long ago and yet it wasn't that long ago and so this particular chapter here in chapter number three the apostle paul is actually leading um uh, leading to the the, um, the, the next part of this, standing in unified in grace. So let's read together. Hopefully you have your Bibles here. Read together chapter number three, the book of Galatians. And we're going to read verses one through nine. And then next week, I believe he's going to pick it up from verse 10. Oh, foolish Galatians, he writes, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? 
Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the nations by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, and he quotes here, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. You know, Paul hits them hard with that first line, doesn't he? Oh, foolish Galatians. That's a pretty powerful thing. Can you imagine if we walked up here and we called a church foolish? You know, the, the, the term foolishness here is indicating that they cannot see the evidence. They're believing something that is going to actually destroy them and take them off. It's like the blind leading the blind. And um, Jesus often confronted the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. And he, one time he said to them, he says, you're just like the blind leading the blind. You don't know where you're going. And the problem with the blind leading the blind, you are never reach your destination. You always fall into a ditch somewhere. And so that's the term here. Oh, foolish Galatians. You know, that's, that's a pretty um, major thing that he said there. And he's saying that they're foolish in regard in that they were actually missing the very gospel message that they were supposed to be living for. Um, So what's the big issue? The big issue is that faith is superior to the works of the law. Now, you may have heard the term legalism before. Legalism is having a set of rules and regulations that brings you into a relationship with God. There's nothing wrong with having standards. We all have them. Um, um, we, we, we learn to function by having certain um, requirements and certain things that we do. But when you say that those standards actually bring you into a relationship with God, the Apostle Paul is saying that that's useless. Those are the works of the Law. Now, the big issue is that faith is superior to the works of the law. And so look back to Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 16. And this really puts you into the picture. Because to be honest with you, what we're doing here is we're, we're grabbing a letter halfway through. And, um, and he's warning him. Why is he saying that this is so important in, in chapter 3 verse 1? Because of what he said in verse 16 of chapter 2. He says here, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. He's talking about the Mosaic law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, what he's saying here, you're not justified by keeping the Ten Commandments. You're not justified by, by doing the things. That, there were hundreds of them, 600 and some laws that they had come up with, and then thousands of ordinances to make sure that they weren't getting any close to breaking the law. And he says, nobody is justified that way. In fact, later on, he's going to tell you that the purpose of the law was to bring you to a knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so he says, as we continue verse number 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. I've got a um, thing in your notes. By the way, um, in your notes, 
which I have lost mine somewhere. But in your bulletin, you have a copy of the notes uh, of the outline here. And I, I want to encourage you to follow it. And um, there's little spaces there you can fill in the blanks as you go along, and they will be projected up on the board. And so as we look at this, there, there's something I really want you to think about. Faith. What is faith? Faith is not a matter of our merit. It is a willingness to believe and accept what God promises. In other words, faith has a focus. And we focus on what God promises. Another word for faith would be belief. And as we do this, the, the Galatians here, we're accepting this wonderful gospel of grace. Jesus Christ came. He died for our sins. We receive him as our personal Lord and Savior. We give him our unrighteousness. And he, praise God, gives us his righteousness. And they're going along great. And then there are people following him um, after Paul leaves. And we call them the Judaizers. And they're the Jewish people. And they come in and they said, you know, it's one thing to believe in the Messiah. But you must go back to the Jewish traditions and the law. And you must become as it were, Jewish, before you can become a believer in Jesus Christ. And it confused a lot of people. And that's why he wrote chapter 2 and verse number 16. You know, a lot of people get confused today. And they're confused between the justification by faith alone or a so-called so trying to keep justified by doing works of the law list of days and, 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 and events that they must do and all these different things that they must have apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so faith is not a matter of our merit. It is a willingness to believe and accept what God promises. That's kind of the introduction now. Now the Apostle Paul then goes on to show in this section of Scripture, which by the way, as Michael and I were discussing how we're going to, to unfold this, I said, you know that this is just the introduction to chapters four, uh, chapters three, four, and five, because I certainly do know that. And so, so the thing is, is, is what we're going to be looking at today is just the introduction to what Paul's going to unwrap for us in the next few chapters. So let me encourage you to read through the book of Galatians. Read it in one sitting. Listen to it. There's plenty of audio Bibles out there that you can listen to. And listen to it, and you'll get the gist of it, and you'll understand how important this wonderful gospel is. In fact, it's so important that the Apostle Paul, in chapter number one, uh, was saying, he says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. We live in a day and age today with all the modern technology that I can preach to you today. You can open up the Bible and you can say, that's great. You can go get on the Internet and you can hear any version of anything that you want to. And it's very, very confusing. So the Apostle Paul is going to give you two things to remember. And so if when you walk out of here, I want you to remember two things. Now, just to confuse you a little bit, out of the first thing to remember, there's three things to remember. Out of the first thing to the three things, there's three more things. And it got to the place where I had to just stop. And so I, I just gave you a basic outline here. First of all, remember what you've actually been experiencing by faith. Remember what actually you experienced by faith, not by doing works. Remember how frustrating it was when you didn't know if your good was good enough. He says, just remember that. Number two, he says, remember 
that there's also an example in the Old Testament about what faith looks like. And he goes all the way back to Abraham to look at it. And that becomes incredibly significant because Abraham was before the law. In fact, he was 430 years before the law. And so God points out Abraham's faith as the thing to remember. So first thing, remember, number one is remember what you have experienced by faith. And that's found in verses one through five. And the first thing that Paul tells us to remember in church, this is so important. Remember the truth of Christ's sacrificial death. He's indicating here that saving faith is believing and accepting what Christ has accomplished on the cross for you. What a marvelous choice of songs that we had just before we, um, we came for the message today on the old rugged cross. He is indicating here in verse number one, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? And this is an important statement. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Remember, this is just a matter of a few years after Jesus literally died on the cross. There were people who were alive who were there and they saw that. He says, don't forget that we're not we're not putting our faith into something that we cannot show as an historical fact literally just a few years ago. The Apostle Paul says, that's why he says you're so foolish. You're, for, you're forgetting that you actually witness these things or you know people who have witnessed these things. And so um, and go back to Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 2. And just gives you an idea of how it changed Paul's life. And this is, isn't this true how it changed your life? Now instead of living for yourself, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live not by works, but what does it say? By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says, remember that the evidence is clear. What you believed was reality. And that reality changed your life. So the first thing that he says is, remember, you believed truth when it came to the sacrificial death. You didn't believe some, um, some made-up story. It was actually there. You know, we're 2,000 years um, after the fact of that. And sometimes you can, um, you can think, well, that was 2,000 years ago. Yeah, but the fact is, it was 2,000 years ago. <laughs> it was something that we can actually trace back. There are so many historians who have written, apart from the Bible, talking about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. He says that meant something. Don't forget that. Jesus died for a reason. We call it in theology, we call it the um, substitutionary death of Jesus Christ. In other words, he died in your place and he gave you his life. Paul says, oh foolish Galatians, have you forgotten what he did for you on that old rugged cross? Number two is, the second thing is, not only do you remember what you've experienced by faith in the cross, but you also remember what you've experienced by faith in the receiving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's been received into your life. Verses 2 to 4, Galatians says, This only I want to learn from you. 
Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How did you actually receive the Holy Spirit? Did you have to come up to a certain standard and then the Holy Spirit, you received him? Or did you receive him at the moment of salvation? He says, are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect or mature by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? One thing that the Judaizers would do with the Apostle Paul is they, they, would, they would persecute him. And all you have to do is take a casual look at the book of Acts and read about the founding of the churches in, in, this, in this area. And you found that persecution always followed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he says, when you were persecuted, when you suffered, and the word suffered there could be, could be a negative term, but it could also be a, a positive term or a neutral term, meaning the things that you've been experiencing. Now think about this, folks. The things that you and I have been experiencing because we believe in Jesus Christ, was that just worthless? Or is that, that real? Is that real? Do you know, it is amazing how people react to our belief in the risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, you, they, they say our, our society is, um, we're in what we call a post-Christian society today. And it used to be that, that we could put on a form of godliness and deny the power thereof, and people could kind of get away with it. Not anymore. Nowadays, uh, the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ made such a difference in your life that you are different and the Holy Spirit's dwelling within you. And here's how he did it. He gives you, once again, three different things. I actually had six, but I thought, just knock it down there. First of all, let me just tell you what he did here. First of all, you were regenerated by the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was talking, and, and I'm, I'm going to be, or Eric's going to be showing you a lot of scriptures on, on, the, on the board there. I'm not going to take the time to read them all, but they're in your notes and um, it would be great for you to look them up later. But just to remind you, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was a worker of the law. He knew the law. He was a professional at it. And yet he still had something empty in his life, a religious man who needed something else. And Jesus said, he, he, he told him, he said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus said, what does it mean to be born again? It's an unusual term. He says, well, you must be physically born, of course. But he says, you must also be born of the Spirit. And he says that in, in verse number 6. Because those which are born of the Spirit, it's Spirit. He says in verse number 7, do not marvel. I'm in John 3. Do not marvel that I said to you that you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. But you cannot tell where it comes and where it goes. So is everyone who was born of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul says, don't forget that you received the Holy Spirit. Let me just remind you that when you received the Holy Spirit, it means that he completely changed your life. You are now a new person. And the, the second thing I'd like you to think about is that the Holy Spirit is residing in your life right now. At this very moment, he's residing in your life. In fact, he'll be there tomorrow morning as well in fact he's with our campers right now that's why we pray for him that's why we pray that the holy spirit would do a work in the preaching and the teaching of the camp 
so that, so that um, uh, the, the, the work can be done. Can you imagine if at our youth camp, we came up with a list of, of, of do's and don'ts and said, look, if, if you just follow this, kids, then you're going to be righteous before God. They would look at it and they would be so discouraged or they would turn away from it. But no, no, no. What we're going to be talking about is a gospel of grace. That they can come to Christ on his terms. And he's wanting to save you from your sins. And when the Holy Spirit does that convicting they can be born again, and then he will reside in them. Um, Romans chapter 8 talks about that, and especially in verse number 9, and there are so many verses about this, but he says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. One thing that makes the church the church is the fact that we are we are indwelt of the Holy Spirit. And we come together and we sing our praises to the, to, to the Lord together. No one else does that. That's why churches are not just organizations. Churches are living bodies. And as, 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 a, as a, the Holy Spirit dwells within you and we come together to express the worship that is already there. And then the third thing that, that I was thinking about when I was, I was come up with this, and like I said, there were six or seven of them, is, is your security, your confidence is found in God's promises. Whereas before, the God's promises were maybe confusing or you did not understand them. But now the Holy Spirit is, is awakening you to when you see the scriptures. As, as John says, you have the unction of the Holy Spirit within you. You look at that and you say, that is a promise for me. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14 says, In him who you trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Um, he is indicating here that the Holy Spirit was very much involved and is very much involved in your salvation. You're the de- he's the deposit right now. Isn't that amazing? I can just see how excited you guys are. It, yeah, uh, the masks are, 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 are keeping it away, I'm sure, but I see eyes lighting up here. And so it's an important thing to understand here. And, and, and John talks about this later on in um, one of his epistles. In 1 John chapter 4, and verse 13, he says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. How do we know that? Because he has given us of his spirit. Paul says, oh, foolish Galatians, don't you even know what's, who's dwelling within you and the confidence that you have? 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 to 13. I'm going to take the time to read this. And this is the testimony that God has given us. What kind of life? Eternal life. And where is that life? This life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. These things, John says, I have written to you who what? Believe. Remember, believe is, is almost it's, it's synonymous with placing your faith in. He says, I've written to those who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, that is confidence and that's security that we have received 
when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. So we believe the truth of, of Christ's sacrificial death on the cross. We believe that the Holy Spirit's been received into our life. God dwelling within us. And then the third thing is we believe and we can see that the Holy Spirit is actively working in your life for your spiritual maturity. Paul says that in verses 3 to 5. He says, are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect? The word perfect there means um, spiritually mature by the flesh. He, he, says, he says, did you, did you miss that lecture? <laughs> did you forget that? That, that the Holy Spirit is not just dwelling within you. He's the parakletos. He's the comforter. He's the one that guides you into all truth. He's actually there for a purpose. Many times, folks, I'm, I'm getting away from my notes here, which is always dangerous. But, but many times what we do is we say we invited Jesus into our life as if it's our life. And then Jesus is just a part of life. That doesn't, doesn't work. When God comes into your life, you realize that he's the creator and the sustainer. He is your life. And Paul told the Corinthians, he says, you got it all wrong when you think that you, you, you're just living a life and you're adding God to it. He says, he says, don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? He's dwelling within you today for a purpose and he says therefore in verse number five of, of that passage he says therefore he who supplies the spirit that he would be god the father he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith it won't take the time but you go back and you, you look through the book of acts and you said many places there were miracles performed the book of Hebrews says that the miracles were performed to substantiate the message. He says, do you think that that was done through the law or was it done through the Holy Spirit? Oh, foolish Galatians, don't forget what you've experienced. And folks, sometimes we need to go back and we can remember the day when we received Jesus as our personal Savior. And perhaps that could be, if you don't know our Lord as your personal Savior today, I'd like to invite you to make this day the day. Come and see me afterwards and we'll spend some time together and we'll, we'll talk together and I can show you more if you'd if you like to know more. But if the Holy Spirit's impressing upon your heart right now that you need a Savior, respond to that. That is real. That is real. And Paul says here, don't forget that. He produces maturity in your life. Many times in the book of Ephesians, and Galatians and, and so forth. He talks about that in Ephesians chapter 5. I think it's going, yep, it's already up there. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18, the latter part of 18 to 21, a very, very well-known verse. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another. Here's what being filled with the Spirit does. It changes your talk and your walk. He says, being fill, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourself now in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You didn't used to do that. You used to sing things to each other. Now you're singing to the Lord. That, that didn't ever happen before, did it? That's the Holy Spirit working in your life. He says, and now you're giving thanks always for all things to God. You're, you're thanking Him for what He's doing in your life. 
He says, and you're thanking the God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's another thing that you're doing. You're also submitting to one another in the fear of God. Oh, yeah, you've got a new song, you've got a new attitude, and you've got a new relationships. And that's the unity that we have in the church. And Paul says, don't forget that. He says that in that verse there. In Galatians chapter 5, he talks us, it tells us to walk in the Spirit. And he said, if you walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. It will have an outward uh, manifestation. And he says, if you're led of the Spirit, you're not doing it by fulfilling the law because the Spirit will lead you into a maturity. And he produces fruit in your life, too. He talks about that in, in chapter 5 of Galatians, and we'll get to that, and who knows when we're going to get it, probably next school holidays by the time we get there. But in Galatians chapter 5, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, you get the latter part of that. He, he talks about the works of the flesh, the things that you used to be. And he says, and now look at who you are. The works of the flesh, oh, they're all so destructive, and there are so many of them. But as you get down to, to, um, to the latter part of that, He said, I want you to walk in the Spirit. And he says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the things that come out because God's working in your life. He said, there'll be nine different areas. There'll be love. There'll be joy. There'll be peace. There'll be long-suffering. There'll be kindness. There'll be goodness. There'll be faithfulness. There'll be gentleness. And there will be self-control. He says, you did not get that through the law. You did not get that by trying to keep the Mosaic law or any false rules that you have. Religions always have a list of mandates that you're supposed to be doing. He says, no, no, that comes from a relationship with the Spirit. So he tells us in the latter part of that to walk in that Spirit. So Paul says that. that that's a lot to think about, isn't it? So Paul says, you know, remember what you've actually experienced in faith. You know, when I first started out, accepted Christ as my Savior as a, as a child, and then um, as, I, as I began to grow in the Lord and, 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 and made decisions and, and so forth, I was wondering if I would ever, if it would ever get to the place where I would say, I've reached, reached it. Don't have anything more to learn. Will I ever get tired of it and all that? And here I am now, 65 years old, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my, there is so much more. And the Lord grows you day by day. That's called experience. And Paul says, Galatians, take off the blindfolds. Look at what is actually happening in your life. Don't allow these people to cause doubt into your life, to sow discord in your life, to cause fear in your life, lack of confidence in your life. He says, no, walk in the Spirit. Remember Christ died for you. Remember you received the Holy Spirit. He didn't just leave you on your own. Remember the Holy Spirit's doing a work in your life to bring you to maturity. That'd be a good time to plug um, um, getting involved with Explore the Bible or getting involved in in one of the small groups. We'll be really relaunching those later on in the year. You really need to allow the Holy Spirit to grow you because that's the purpose. Now Paul moves to another important thing to remember about faith. And the second thing is from verses 6 through 9. This, we won't get deep into this because he's going to spend the next several chapters actually unpacking this particular part. But in verses 6 through 9, he says, remember, there's another example of what faith looks like. And he goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And he quotes from the book of Genesis in the life of Abraham. 
Um, Genesis, uh, Galatians chapter um, 3 and verse number 6 says this. And Paul says, Now just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, he says, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. It was a really big deal um, for the Jewish people to be considered to be sons of Abraham. Now, I don't know if there's any Jewish people here today, but most of us would be Gentiles. What hope do we have to be a son of Abraham? And he says, you're not a son of Abraham by birth. You're a son of Abraham by faith. So what promises were given to Abraham? Paul draws it out and he says, well, let me tell you the first thing. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Not because he obeyed the law, because there was no law to obey. The law hadn't even been invented yet, or hadn't well, been invented, but hadn't even come down and manifested yet. He says, no, Abraham simply believed the promise that God had given him. And so he says here in verse number 8, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the nations by faith, in other words, open up the gospel for the likes of you and me, he says, he preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand. And here's what he said to him. In you, all the nations shall be blessed. You ever thought about that? That you go all the way back to Abraham and that promise that God gave Abraham, you are receiving that blessing. Not because you became a Jew, not because you went through the Mosaic law, but because you realized that the law led you to a realization that you needed Jesus Christ as your Savior. You received him as your Savior, and you received that promise that he had. And what is that promise? It's righteousness. Righteousness. And as we, as we, we think about that, um, he, he, um, he indicates here in verse number 9, so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Now, you're going to find that account that he's talking about when faith is simply believing God's promises and then acting upon that belief. You go all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 6, and you read the whole chapter. In fact, read the whole book, but start in chapter 12 and go all the way through, and you'll see the, the journey that, that Abraham had. And it says here, it just summed it up, and, and like I said, it will be unpacked in future sermons, so I'm just going to give you the introduction. And Paul says here, he believed in the Lord, and it accounted him for righteousness. Isn't that amazing? It doesn't say he performed. It doesn't say, because he didn't. <laughs> he failed many times. That's the thing about the Old Testament. It tells it like it is. And he says, no, the thing that gave him righteousness is the fact that he believed in the promises of God. Let me tell you something. Your faith may be very, very small, but it's in a very big God. And your faith may be just a little bit, and you're just wondering if you got enough faith. Oh, yeah, yeah, just remember. Remember what Jesus did for you on the cross. That means something. Remember the Holy Spirit's dwelling within you. You have the same Holy Spirit dwelling within you who, who has indwelt any of the best evangelists on this planet today. You have the same Holy Spirit dwelling within you that the Galatians were supposed to be relying on. The same one that the Apostle Paul had within him. He's the same Holy Spirit. He's within you today. That's incredible, isn't it? And then you can go all the way back to the Old Testament. You can go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And you see, not the law, you see faith. 
that was the start of any relationship that you would have with God. So by faith, he says in the book of Romans, he can unpack it. And I think I've got some scriptures there. won't take the time to read them all. But if you go to Romans chapter um, 4, you're going to see that, that he, um, this is Paul's real theme. And he shares it with the Romans as well. And he says, Abraham believed God. And it was accounted him for righteousness. So he quotes the same verse. In Romans chapter 4, verses 16, he says it's a faith that brings you to grace. It wasn't the law. In verse number 19, he says even though Abraham was at times weak in faith, he says, but he did not consider his own body already did. You know what the promise was, don't you? You know, he's, he's pushing 100 years old. And God says you're going to be the father of the promised seed. You really? Sarah might have something to say about that. And so, so he came up with another plan. He failed miserably. And yet, and yet God says, no, no, you're going to have that promised seed. And God blessed him and gave him that promised seed. You've got to read it for yourself. But later on, just keep reading the book of Galatians and you'll say that. He'll tell you all about it. He says he did not waver in verse number 20 of Romans chapter 4 at the promise of God through unbelief. But he was strengthened in his faith. The Apostle Paul tells us in another place that all the things of the Old Testament were written for our benefit so that we may learn. So remember, faith is not a matter of our merit. It is a willingness to believe and accept what God promises. Put that in your heart and your mind. And as the Holy Spirit is, is working in your life and it's, as the Holy Spirit is... is um, is, is bringing you to maturity, I want you to ask a question. Ask yourself, how do you know if you're living in liberty that comes by faith or you're caught up in the bondage of legalism? How would you know that? The Apostle Paul, review that. Remember the things that Paul told you to remember. Two things. Don't be like those foolish Galatians who followed any wind of doctrine that came along. Like they were searching for something else. You've got it. If you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you. He's leading you to maturity. He's given you pastors and teachers and, and people in your life to guide you and help, help you. And uh, he's giving you a new song. He's giving you a new attitude. And he's giving you also a new commitment to one another. Remember that word submission. That brings the unity in the church. Lord, we thank you for your word today. And I pray, Lord, that it will, it will speak to us just like the Apostle Paul wanted it to be spoken to the Galatians that day. Lord, often we forget <laughs> where we came from. And we need to be reminded of the things that you have done for us. Thank you, Lord, for the cross of Jesus Christ. Thank you that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life and so lord we commit our lives to you today and there's somebody here today who's wavering in their faith lord help them to to rely on the promises that you've given in scripture we thank you for your holy spirit who we read in scripture and we experience it in our life lord that the holy spirit gives us comfort gives us confidence he also leads us in the truth. And so, Lord, we thank you that he also magnifies Jesus Christ in our life. May we go out from this place with this message. 
May we remember those at youth camp right now and, and bless them, Lord, and, and open up the hearts and minds of those dear young people, Lord, who have been fed so many things in, in, in media today. They need the truth, and I pray that you'll just guide and direct the counselors and the teachers as they show them the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen.